mug with a mic, mug with a mic. We're on mug, 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 mug with a mic. Hey everyone, welcome to Muggle with a Mic. Katie here, and I have another special guest this week co-hosting with me. It's not Jenny, but it's kind of like Jenny. Who do I have with me? Can you say hello? Hi everyone, this is Sarah. I am sister number two. Sister number two, does that wait, does that mean Jen's number one and I'm number three? Well, no, she appeared on the podcast prior to me, which makes her sister number one. I am therefore sister number two. You're the backup goalie. I'm fine with being the underdog, no problem. <laughs> no, everyone, this is Sarah, my my other older sister, and she's here to talk um, about something that we both really like, and that topic is Jane Austen. Yes, I've been waiting for this topic to come up in your podcast lineup. I'm very proud of your podcast and the work you do. And I think that this is probably going to go down in history as the best episode. Oh, high bar. <laughs> now, I will. we have to give you some props because you are the one that came up with Muggle with a Mic. Oh, I didn't know I was going to get credit. Thank you. Yeah. You didn't need to do so publicly, but thank you. Well, Brooklyn actually mentioned it in the office episode. She said, what does muggle with a mic mean? And then I, I did give you credit then as well. Oh, I guess I missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's start out this episode with some movie news. Really, there's not much. I told you earlier when we were talking about this, there's not going to be much movie news because it's the same thing every week, and that is... Everything's being pushed. All the release dates for every single movie is being pushed to like 2021, even for TV shows. I know Lucifer on Netflix, they're going to release, I think, about 10 episodes at the end of August, and then they're going to release the second half of their season, I think, next year. I don't even know. Everything's delayed. I know. I actually, I don't have a source for this, but I was reading an article a few days ago it said something to the effect of certain theaters. I don't know if it was AMC or where it was, but they're going to be decreasing the number of days that a movie has to be in the theaters before it can then go to iTunes or Netflix platform. Well, not Netflix, but downloadable at home. Very nice movie news point, Sarah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm trying. Yeah, I think it even was, it was like three weeks on that article, wasn't it? I think it? it was 17 days. I don't know why that's like in my brain, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know what? I'll Google it right now. <gasps> what? I can't edit this out. <laughs> what? Okay, so 17 days. It's kind of like I can wait 17 days for it to be digital. Yeah, I could totally do that too. Here we go. It's an AMC Universal deal, a 17-day window, the biggest change in film distribution history since the release of Jaws. You said there was no movie news. So it looks like... Well, you had it right with 17 days. Yeah, I did. Um, but yeah, essentially, which I don't know. I, I feel like the theaters are probably going to be upset about that because that's crazy, crazy reduction in revenue. Well, an AMC must be okay with it, but I don't know how that can work. But, oh well. I I guess it's better than it going straight to home. That's true. Having some morsel of a window in theaters. But it, that, that small amount of revenue they're going to get, I don't think that's going to be able to keep them open. I don't know. Well, the other news, entertainment news, was uh, I believe Donald Glover signed on for a Disney plus star Wars series. And I'm hoping fingers crossed that it is a solo movie continuation series. Um, if he's in it, it would have to be, but is it going to include all the other characters from solo, a star Wars story or not? I don't know, but I'm hoping it will be because I love solo. Well, I happen to just be scanning down this article and there's a picture of Emma and it <gasps> says that Focus Features, which mm -hmm. does a lot of the the era period pieces that we like to watch, 
is it says it's a wild card. So whether or not that they would be a participant in these deals remains to be seen. Look at you, you little special reporter, you. Yes. Happy, (laughs) happy to bring the news to the people. (laughs) On NPR radio. Yes, I do. This mic, so I'm using Jason's fancy school microphone and I do feel like I am on talk radio. It's kind of fun. So let's play a song coming up next by an artist that nobody knows and no one has ever heard of. Yeah, so really interesting news on on the home theater front. Correct, yes. 17 yes. days. All right, so now let's move on to the main event. And that main event, the author Jane Austen. So, Sarah, why? what first drew you to Jane Austen and why do you like her work? There's a couple things. One, female empowerment. It's a female author who had disguised much of her writing at first, well, most of her life until when she was older, but just competing in a world where men were superior in different arts. And so I have always loved specifically the wit that she writes with. Um, There's so much humor, but also just the romance at the end of the day. They're just love stories that you just don't want to stop reading. And I also just love the element of family that is woven within each book. And it's, it's a reflection of her family life as well. I think maybe that makes it makes it such a homey read because you almost feel like you could be the girl in the stories. Oh, yeah. And even though they're speaking in such a different type of dialect English than we do today, it even though it sounds like a different language, they're going through the same stuff we go through now with relationships, with family, mm-hmm. with friends, with future, you know, significant others. Mm-hmm. Just in a more refined manner, I think. Well, that's the other thing. It's nice to step into that time period and see the traditions of courting and the different intricacies in terms of how men and women interact when they Mm -hmm. are getting to know one another or, you know, going down the path towards marriage and what that looks like. But then also just the the differences in terms of economy and class um, system class yeah. straight exactly class system and and just how that all plays a role yeah and i like the dancing the dancing is excellent the music mm-hmm. love that i know we're going to touch on that but just i just i really would like to go back in time and go to a ball i think well okay and so the other thing that i really like about her about jane is that if you watch the movie Becoming Jane. Uh, which I have many times. Yes. Why, Sarah? Because of Jane or because of James McAvoy? There are many wonderful attributes to that film. <laughs> and it's great storytelling of a true story. Well, so that that movie, because I'm not much of a reader, so I haven't... I have not read Jane Austen. I've only seen her movies or her shows or whatever. But when I watched that finding out that female empowerment she was this single woman of that time working making her own living by doing what she wanted to do and also doing it without a man by her side because you find out later she never married the love of her life and she she survived i mean she she did it all on her own but then she also said all of my characters will have everything they desire. And it's extremely confident. She had a lot of guts about her, honestly. Um, But I feel like a lot of her main female characters also do. Like Lizzie Bennet is Mm -hmm. very confident in herself. And I think Jane was too. Well, all all those characters didn't need the man. They chose to be with the man. Whoa. Yeah. That was deep, (laughs) Muggle with a mic. Wasn't it? (laughs) Anyway, so um, which 
book or movie is your favorite? Or would you want to read over and over? Would you want to watch over and over? Pride and Prejudice, without question. Um, With Sense and Sensibility, a close second. Okay. And are we talking the 05 Pride and Prejudice? Okay. So, right. Because so you asked me first reading the books. Oh, yes. Right. Okay. So there's that. Then the Kira Knightley. Of course, I love my Colin Firth, Mr. Darcy. However, Mm -hmm. I think because the Kira Knightley version was the Pride and Prejudice of my generation, that that's what I cling to most. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I think I saw Sense and Sensibility before I saw Pride and Prejudice, but I still like Pride and Prejudice the best. That's true. I remember watching that like as a, a little girl, actually. I loved Emma Thompson and then realizing she'd be in Harry Potter as Trelawney. Well, then realizing that it's, um, what's her name? Titanic girl. Oh, Kate Kate Winslet. Winslet. Yeah. Yeah. She does, she does a great younger sister too. A little bit of annoying younger sister. They're not all like that, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what, who is your favorite Jane Austen character? Elizabeth Bennett. Oh, that was fast. Yeah, for sure. And why? Um, for all the reasons I listed before that mm-hmm. I like about Jane's writing. She's confident. She's a loving sister. She's a good daughter also. She's very supportive to her parents and is willing to do whatever needs done. They aren't they don't come from money. They, you know, run a farm and she's Family comes first, but she's very grounded in her beliefs and her principles. And Mm. I I think she just makes one of the strongest characters that Jane's written. Mine. Oh, boy. (laughs) Let me guess. It's Mr. Wickham. (laughs) It's not not Mr. Wickham. (laughs) It's Mr. Wickham, isn't it? Mr. Wickham is a scoundrel. No, it's uh, Mary Bennett. Really? Oh, yeah. Mary Bennett? Because she's just, she's forgotten. She's in the background. She plays her piano and she wants people to notice her, but nobody notices her. You did. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters. She's just so quiet and it, like everyone doesn't pay attention to her. And I'm like, you poor little thing. I I notice your, your song. You did a good job. Excellent. But- I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought you were going to say that. So here we go. This is a very important question. What's your favorite line or quote? Oh, here we go. Ready? It was hard to narrow it down, but I do really love. Sometimes the last person on earth you want to be with is the one person you can't be without. Ugh. My my heart just broke. Wow. Th- that was a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. I know. <laughs> oh. It's like sh- she should write this stuff down. <laughs> I just found the perfect <laughs> quote for you. <laughs> what is it? From Pride and Prejudice. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> Mary wished to say something very sensible, but knew not how. <laughs> She doesn't know how to talk because no one listens to her. Oh, sweet, sad Mary. <laughs> okay, well, my favorite quote, it's its a new favorite quote, mm-hmm. and it came from Emma. Oh, yes, very good. And it is, it's quite simple. It goes, if I loved you less, I might be able to talk about it more. Yes. I, yes, that's a great one. That's really good. My love for you is just too much. I can't even put it to words. I have one other from Pride and Prejudice that I I do adore. Go for it. I cannot fix on the hour or the look or the words which laid the foundation. It is too long ago. I was in the middle before I knew that I had begun. Whoa. She's really good. I know. She's really good. She's really good. What would Jane do? Time for a Jane Austen quip or wisdom. 
Oh, this is fun. I was gifted a small book of Jane Austen quotes for my birthday this year. And each time you hear that sound, I will randomly read one of the quips or pieces of wisdom from Jane Austen. At random. You're just going to flip through like a deck of cards? Yep, going to flip. And go. Sense and sensibility. Had I not been bound to silence, I could have provided proof enough of a broken heart, even for you. Oh, deep. Okay, next. All right. Um, So you'll hear that noise throughout the episode, and Sarah will give us a random quote from some Jane Austen work. Sarah, we watched the new 2020 version of Emma, didn't we? Yes, we did. Uh, Just to give everyone a little synopsis, this is set in the 1800s in England. A well-meaning but selfish young woman meddles in the love lives of her friends. So basically, she's the first matchmaker in in the 1800s. (laughs) And the director of Emma was Autumn DeWilde which this is her first, uh, her feature film debut. She actually has only directed music videos. And some of those bands that she's directed some music videos for were Florence and the Machine, Jenny Lewis, Beck, Death Cab for Cutie, White Stripes. And she also directed a segment in the HBO TV movie documentary Six by Sondheim. So she's really into the music scene. That explains why the the soundtrack was phenomenal. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. I was also a little disappointed that I, I'm pretty sure Emma missed out on a lot of Oscar nods this past time around. Oh, they didn't get any? Well, because there was a lot of talk about how there weren't a lot of female directors um, mm, oh, gotcha. noted. The movie starred um, Anya Taylor-Joy as Emma Woodhouse. You may also know her from Peaky Blinders and Glass and the Split movie. Um, She played the young girl that James McAvoy kidnaps. There's James McAvoy again. Bill Nye plays Mr. Woodhouse, which is Emma's father, and he's um, known from Love Actually. Um, Harry Potter, he played Scrimgeour. And also About Time. Wait, what? He played... I didn't realize that. Yeah, he was, which when they cast him, I didn't really like him because he was supposed to look like a big lion and he doesn't look like a big lion. No. Oh, I love, okay. Oh, About Time, was he the dad? He was the dad in About Time, yeah. I like him. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Johnny Flynn, who plays Mr. Knightley, he was in, I believe it was Star's series vanity fair and also he was in this movie with anne hathaway there's another becoming jane james mcavoy and anne hathaway but he was in song one with anne hathaway where he plays like a folk singer so that's why he sang some songs on the soundtrack oh, oh cool excellent yeah and then my favorite miranda hart plays you Mrs. love miranda hart <laughs> such fun i've never um, seen call the midwife Okay, I've only seen a few episodes of Call the Midwife. I love her from the show Miranda, which was a, a BBC show, and she's just hilarious. She basically plays herself, and she's an amazing human being. She's amazing at physical comedy. She makes fun of herself, and I love it. And also, Tom Ellis is in that show with her, and he's the lead in the show Lucifer that I mentioned earlier. That's her. Isn't that her love interest? In the show, yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And you can watch that on Hulu. It's an amazing show. I love Miranda. Is it – it's not still on, though? No. They – I think the last episode was, like, in the early 2010s. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. What were you looking up? Well, I didn't have much success, but I was looking up the Oscar oh, nominations, yes. and but I don't think – which honestly, I thought there were a lot of similarities between how the movie The Favorite was shot 
and how mm. Emma was shot. There were I don't know why, but I saw both and they they kind of had a similar aesthetic in terms of the way they were shot. Interesting theory. If you go on IMDb, they can give you the awards. Yeah, it doesn't it normally has it on here where you can look up the awards, but it's not there. No. Yeah, see what I mean? There we go. Awards. There were no awards. Yeah, they didn't get any. That's what I mean. And I was really it looks shocked like by we, that. Yeah, well, it says it looks like we don't have any awards for this title yet. But it, it usually says if they were nominated. I don't I don't know that it was. It should have. It was really good. So uh, speaking of that, what did you think about the cinematography of it? So I looked up cinematography for those that don't know movie terms. And cinematography is the art and technology of motion picture photography. It involves such techniques as the general composition of a scene, the lighting of the set or location, the choice of camera, lenses, filters, and film stock, the camera angle of movements, and the integration of any special effects. So given that, did you like like the color effects? Yes. Of so what they did? I, I really loved because in in all Jane Austen movies you get the big like panoramic scenes of the countryside or you know, of the English countryside and then the homes. So I, I thought that there were beautiful landscape shots. I also loved the, just the timing, specifically that scene where the dad comes down the steps and <laughs> does the quick sharp turn. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I just thought the timing of everything was really spot on. Which that that timing might go back to uh, the the Wilds um, music history. Maybe, yeah. Maybe there's some musicality to the motion. Mm-hmm. It's choreography. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> but also the um, the costuming, the wardrobe. I really liked the coloring. It was kind of like all fall autumn. Oh, I just realized her name's Autumn. <laughs> Anyways, sort of fallish colors. And then I also liked it kind of followed the seasons too. So mm. that was um that was nice. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I I will say when I first started watching it, I thought the colors were a little bit too vivid. Vivid, yes, vivid. But after a while I stopped noticing that. And it became more natural to me and I actually enjoyed it more. I also noticed that some of the fabric that they used, I don't know if it was, uh, it went with the time period, but like some of the jackets that the guys were wearing mm -hmm. looked more like suit jackets nowadays, but cut in a, in a 19th century manner. Mm. Does that make sense? No, it does. Also like the, I don't know if they were just trying to set it apart from the previous Emma or mm. other era pieces of that time, but just in the way the ladies wore their hair, the main character, Emma, wears yeah. the really, really tight, like, ringlet curls, which was different yeah. than how it was portrayed in the Gwyneth Paltrow. So I almost feel like they were really trying to s have a stark difference between those two Emma versions. Yeah, it looked like ramen noodles at one point. They were very tight ringlets. They were. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I liked it. I liked the look. I loved the, I love the scenery in between scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think it was very pleasant to watch and, and it didn't, it didn't bore me. Sometimes they can have scenes where, like you said, the scenery of the landscape and everything, but with the music, with the incorporation of the music in, during the scene changes, I, I just loved, I love the music in it. And... Autumn DeWild wanted to use a lot of folk music. Mm. She said that she used each instrument like it was a character. So if you listen back, some of the characters have certain instruments that go with them. Like Mr. Knightley has a lot of horn that oh goes with Oh my them. gosh, I want to watch it again right now. Yeah, and then Emma has a lot of harpsichord. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And then Mr. Um, Mr. Woodhouse, his is very whimsical sounding. I totally want to go watch it again. And the composer of the music was Isabel Waller-Bridge, 
which she also did the music for Fleabag on Amazon Prime. Okay. And she said that she wanted it to sound like a misbehaving orchestra, and the inspiration was from animated films and music boxes. Again, Johnny Flynn, who plays Mr. Knightley, contributed a song to the soundtrack. And here's here's a fact that I think you'll like. All the actors, if they're playing an instrument in the scene, they're playing it. What? Wait, in where? When did oh, she played piano? Didn't she? Yeah. So uh, Emma plays "Last Rose of Summer" on the piano, and then Jane Fairfax is that her last name? Yes, Jane Fairfax. Oh, she, she goes she on the plays and si- they. Bo- so are they singing? Yes. Wow. And then Johnny Flynn gets up there and does a duet with Jane Fairfax character, and I could tell he was singing. Yes. And he's playing the violin because I can tell because he's not smashing the tomato. <laughs> Do I need to explain? For all you cool cats and kittens who don't know what smashing <laughs> the tomato means, Katie is about to explain it to you. Take it away, Katie. <laughs> so if you ever want to know if someone is actually playing a violin, you're taught on your left hand, which is holding the fingerboard, to pretend like you have a tomato between your wrist and the fingerboard and you don't want to smash it. So if your wrist is touching the bottom of the fingerboard, you're smashing the tomato. You don't want to do that. So you want to make sure there's a space in between. And he had the space in between the fingerboard and his wrist. So he he plays the violin. Excellent. This explains, this totally explains your love of ketchup to me now. <laughs> All your life you've been told not to smash the tomato. <laughs> I think we're getting a little off topic. <laughs> Sorry. That was, that was, that's all my, uh, all my notes. Who, okay. Who is the guy that plays the, the young reverend? Because he looked so familiar to me. Yes. He looks familiar to me as well. And I looked his name up and then I forgot to look at what he's in. I will find it. Josh O'Connor. There we go. Mr. Elton. He has been, oh, the crown. He plays the young Prince Charles. And he does it very oh, well. Oh, yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. He did a very good creepy character in this. <laughs> yeah, he did. Like even down to his fingers, like the way he moved his hands. No, but but it. I think it was really portrayed well that Emma had no idea that all of the of the flirting and his attention was for her when she thought it was for her friend. I don't know how I don't know how she could. He was just weird. No, I think um he was he was pretty vain. Mm-hmm. Um prideful, you might so say. So was Emma. Oh no, it was really a lesson in maturity for her. The whole the whole that's what the whole theme of the movie is. It's about mm-hmm. her growing up and learning from her mistakes and getting a little slice of humble pie. Coming coming of age in the 1800s. Yes. Uh, another little fun little fact. The director purposely put a period at the end of the title. Yes. Because it's a period, period piece. piece. Oh. <laughs> no, I wondered. <laughs> okay, I'll allow it. Um, and then during the dance scene between yes. Emma and Knightley. Which that was that was done very well too. Oh, when he first of all, when Knightley goes over to save I know Harriet. It's so nice, but unfortunately, you realize later he doesn't mean to lead her on, but she's... No, there's a lot of just miscommunication (laughs) and misguided attention, and this happens in real life, though. Some people just, you know, don't know how to read each other, or, you know, they're learning about their own likes and dislikes as they're trying to... That's what I love. I love about this time period... And the writing of Jane Austen is that it's it's the most Timeless. basic thing of just courting and people getting dating, whatever. But it ha- it can translate to real life now. It's just done differently through texting and you know, 
online dating. And I don't know what she would think of the way things are run now. But I mean, it's just it's a different way of going about it, but it's the exact same concept. Yes. You're just trying to get to know another person. Right. So in the dance scene, when Emma and Knightley are dancing, did you notice that they don't have gloves on while others do? Um, I guess, yeah, well, I don't know. I'm trying to think back. Because when they, when they grab hands, you know, when you do the little thing where your hand's behind their back? Yes. They're touching. There's no gloves. They're touching hand in hand. And the director purposely did that to show that there was a closer intimacy between them as compared to the other people dancing. Excellent. And finally, this is a fun little note. Remember when Emma's nose bleeds? I was not. Remember when? That was a pretty unforgettable (laughs) thing. I was not expecting that. I mean, I even think as I'm watching it, I was like, ooh, what's happening? Guess what? Nobody else was expecting it. (gasps) That just happened? It was a real nosebleed. The nosebleed was real. Curiously, Anya Taylor-Joy was able to get one on cue, which she described as a favorite moment of the entire shoot. No, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that that was real when that happened? Yes. And I and I watched. I don't know it over- if I trust that information. It's 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 on IMDb. Um, I watched it over, and if you notice, Johnny Flynn, who plays Knightley, hands her the handkerchief like he's really trying to give it to her because her nose is bleeding, but she keeps acting. Yeah, she doesn't react though. No, she's like annoyed that she that he's handing it to her, and she keeps doing her lines. Whoa! Now I've got to try to find an interview of her saying that. Yeah. That's crazy. It it was jarring. <laughs> I was I honestly, I haven't seen the 90s 96 95 Emma in a while. I watched that scene and I was like, yeah, I don't think her nose bled in that. I don't think it's supposed to. No, that is specific only to this edition of Emma. Yeah, Gwyneth, I don't know if Gwyneth Paltrow would have been okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, so do you have any other thoughts on Emma? I I just love your Miranda. I one of the most oh. gut-wrenching scenes of that movie is when Emma puts her down in front of everybody at the picnic on the hillside and she played it so well. My heart was shattered. And she, so I thought, I always think of her because I know you like her. I always think of her as just comedy all the time. But she, I think, really displayed a nice range of emotion. I love Miranda so I much. know. No, I understand. No, she did a, she did a fabulous job in that role. She was great. Well, they kind of did an office thing because the office had a lot of uh, quiet, long, quiet moments where no mm-hmm. one's saying anything. And they did that in the picnic scene, like... Emma says that line uh, that is embarrassing to Miss Bates, mm-hmm. and it's just quiet for the longest amount of time. And all you're doing is watching poor little Miss Bates' face react to no. In the and in in the Gwyneth Paltrow version, character wise, Mrs. Bates is is small and timid, and Miranda's kind of a on screen. She kind of takes. She takes the scene away. She's a scene mm-hmm. a taker all the time because you're just drawn to her. So, but she, I don't know. I loved that she's she's a taller woman and she just became, she made herself so small in that moment. Like she just, you could tell she just wanted to disappear. And I, I liked her portrayal of it better in this edition of Emma than Interesting. in Gwyneth Paltrow's. Yeah, I thought she really did an awesome job. And she's hilarious in all the other parts of the movie. <laughs> oh, when she's reading the letters and everything. But then oh, it's even, also even when when Emma goes to the house to apologize. Yeah, I mean the awkwardness doesn't leave. Like they did, they really, they really hit the nail on the head with that. Well, and Miss Bates is apologizing to her. I know. Well, and that's how that's that's how it is in the book too, and that's how the that's how the character does it. So they're. It's not like they're making that up for the movie, but I just really thought they portrayed it well on screen. Well, and that just, again, that's Emma learning her mistake. She needed to make that mistake. She needed to make Miss Bates feel bad. And then her, in turn, 
felt she felt bad as well. She makes quite a few mistakes along the course of the of the story. And Mr. Knightley still loves her. Yes. Well, it's I know that just shows his good character. Well, and it's possible to to love someone even through their faults. Oh yeah, yeah. And when you love them, you tell them they're wrong, and you want to help correct. You want to help. Yeah. You know guide them make them better he goes back to the carriage and he's like how dare you do that you know that she and everyone there at the picnic holds you in the highest of regards and whatever you think or do they will follow true well but she i mean she needs that because all her life she's an only child she's grown up in comfortable wealth Mm -hmm. and she really doesn't want for anything. So she's kind of used to having the superiority about her. And so he brings her down a few pegs for her own good. Yeah. And then he's the complete opposite. He has all this stuff, but he doesn't want it. Correct. Yeah. And then he gives it all away for her. (gasps) It's time for what would Jane do? Flipping randomly and ending on Sense and Sensibility. He is just the type of man whom everybody speaks well of and nobody cares about, whom all are delighted to see and nobody remembers to talk to. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to read beside it. Here's another selection from Emma. Her character depends upon those she is with but in good hands, she will turn out a valuable woman. Interesting. That's a good place to leave it. Yeah. All right. So moving on, what's our other thing we're going to talk about, Sarah? Well, when I first saw this name, I thought it said Sandy Town. <laughs> I was later corrected by my sister to Sanditon. It's like downtown Abbey. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, it's Sanditon. Sanditon. S-A-N-D-I-T-O-N. Sanditon. Yes, thank you. Can you please use it in a sentence? We traveled to Sanditon to enjoy the luxurious baths. (laughs) In our full wardrobe bathing suit. So let's explain what Sanditon is. Okay. (laughs) So Sanditon is about Charlotte Haywood, a spirited and impulsive woman who moves from her rural home to Sanditon, a fishing village attempting to reinvent itself as a seaside resort. And it's created by Andrew Davies, which um, Andrew Davies is also known for Bridget Jones' Diary, Sense and Sensibility, uh, the TV series. North Anchor Abbey TV movie from 07, the Emma 96 movie, which we just talked about, and the Pride and Prejudice TV series from 95 featuring Colin Firth. And he's had it. That's just a portion of what he's been a part of. But I think we should first explain that Sanditon is an unfinished work by Jane Austen. Yeah. So Austen completed only 11 chapters before stopping in March of 1817. And then she sadly died four months later. The first half of this series is what she wrote. And then the second half, Davies finished. Andrew Davies. Yes. <laughs> I have words for him. What do you not do you not approve of the second half of the series? If they're going to continue the series, <laughs> then perhaps, mayhaps I will. But as it stands, no. <laughs> No, a thousand times no. So let's talk Let's talk about the series and then we'll get back to that because then we can explain why we All right, I'll try not to stew. All right, so the show stars Rose Williams, which Sarah, you know her from Rain, correct? Yes, she plays the younger princess. Princess. Very different character than Sweet Charlotte. She's kind of a snooty, snobby princess. Yeah. She's really known for her hair, her pretty curly hair, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, Chris Marshall's also in it, and I know him. He plays the older brother, 
And I know him from Love Actually, if anyone's seen that movie. We mentioned that earlier. Um, but he plays the goofy guy that goes over to America. Then Anne Reed, who is a – I skipped one. Anne Reed. I noticed. Who, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to save the best for last. Understood. Um, understood. <laughs> Anne Reed, who is a very – a longtime British actress. She's known for being on a lot of British television series. Um, and some of include Upstairs, Downstairs, Doc Martin, Jane Eyre movie from 20, 2006, Doctor Who, Midsummer Murders, and her first acting credit was way back in 1957. So she's been an actress a very long time. And then finally, well, not finally, but um, Mark Stanley, who plays Lord Bobbington. Um, <laughs> I, I knew him instantly when I saw him. Where is he from, Sarah? Game of Thrones. Yes. And where does he work in Game of Thrones? In the blacksmith? The wall. Okay. Rewind. <laughs> We're going to need to edit that out. No, that's funny. <laughs> the wall needed a blacksmith. Naturally. Sure. Okay. That's what he did. But no, that's I knew him as soon as I saw him. I was like, "That's what's his name, John Snow's friend." But he sorry, after they killed Rob Stark, <laughs> I emotionally checked out. <laughs> even with John Snow, yeah, even with John Snow. Oh, okay, all right. Um, and then here's the uh, the finale. Theo James is in this series. How do you feel about Theo James, Sarah? <laughs> I think he, I think that he was a fine <laughs> choice for the part. I do. Underscore fine. If you don't know him, he, I knew him first from the Divergent series, and he was also on one episode of Downton Abbey, which everyone knows that episode. And then I found this out. You told me he wasn't in this series, and I said he's credited in this You've series. You've got to tell me what because I've watched this. Where? How is The Witcher? Yes. How is he? Wh at what episode? So apparently he's not physically in it, but he voices oh, the, the character. <laughs> I was gonna say I did not see him in The Witcher. He play he voices one line, which I don't think you ever see him. I'm trying to remember, but Vesemir, which is the father figure to Did you just say he voices one line? Yeah. He still gets credited. All right. Listen to this. Listen to this. This might mean something. It makes sense that there's a, an importance to this. So he voices one line of the father figure of Ger Geralt. Ger I can never say his name. Geralt. Geralt. Yeah. He's supposed to be 300 to 1,000 years old. So it doesn't make sense for Theo to play him. But I just heard that there's going to be a prequel series to The Witcher. <gasps> And he's credited as the young Vesemir. And it, so he you think that they're not going to have Henry Cavill in it, but they will have Theo James? Yes, as a prequel series. Now, they're continuing The Witcher, and Henry Cavill will be in that, the continuation of that in season two. No, I saw I saw this ads for the prequel. That's And I was like, oh, bummer. Henry Cavill's not in it. But if Theo James is going to be in it... There you go. No, I just, I do enjoy his acting and I had not seen him in a period piece mm -hmm. like of like this. And so I was really excited to see him, to see him play someone of that era. And I think he did a good job. Well, I will say I was cautiously optimistic. I was thinking I've seen him as four, this tough guy in a futuristic environment. And I thought, I don't think he's going to do well in, you know, with the manners and all that stuff. So I, I was very, with I was, the manners. <laughs> no, Anyways, but, I was, no, I was really you know, pleased. As you know, because you watched the series before I did, mm -hmm. I really disliked his character until about episode four or five. You're supposed and, to. And well, right. So that's what I mean. He plays, he really did the, the reveal of how he felt for Charlotte, it it really came full circle. But then it just makes me all the more <laughs> frustrated with how season one ended. 
Well, so yeah, that first, that first moment when they're on the balcony and she's trying to talk to him and he just turns and says, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you think. Why would I care what you think? I'm a jerk. <laughs> true that double true. But then, yeah, that's the whole point of the whole first season is supposed to be, I don't like him. And then you grow to like him. But yeah, the ending sucks. So everyone who hasn't seen it, and here's the spoilers, but at the very end, they fall in love. Charlotte and Sydney fall in love. But because of some money issues, because he has an idiotic older brother. That's exactly what I was about to say. I was about to say, <laughs> everything goes down because of his brother and his brother's repeated mistakes. And I'm just throwing this out there. I love you. You're my sister. I would do anything for you. But if you make the same mistake the seventh time, there needs to be an intervention of some sort. And we can't keep coming to your aid. You have well, to learn. And I don't know why Lady Denim keeps giving him money. Lady Denim has nothing else to do. Find rotten pineapples. But no, really. Sanditon is kind of her life. I don't know. I yeah no, Sarah. If you're my older sister, because he's the younger brother, that that's the older sibling's supposed to be the responsible one. I should know that. I'm not the responsible one. Well, not only for his for his wife, for his kids, for innocent little Charlotte, for right. but for Sydney feels some kind of you know. Um, obligation obligation to just come rescue him every single time rather than have him struggle because he loves his nieces and his or his niece and nephew and things like that so because he's a nice guy even though he may not appear to be so anyways he ends up he ends up getting engaged to to the lady that spurned his initial wait were they engaged the first time around? Remind me. I'm thinking. I know, because it's been a while since we've watched Sanditon. No, they weren't. They were going to be. I mean, it was implied. Yes. Then she decided to marry an older man who had a lot money. of money. So it came down to money. And he was heartbroken. So he traveled the world and went to Africa and some different things. But we think the world revolves around money now. It revolved then. You wouldn't survive if you didn't marry for money. Oh, well, no. Everything was a transaction and women were yeah. viewed as property. So it was a lot different. Mm. Anyways. Um, <laughs> but anyways, you just have to watch it to see. But well, so the very, the-, the very end, you know, you think Sydney's coming back on the hillside to come say, I, I left, I left Eliza and I'm, I love you. And this is, we can end here. There's no need for a season two. I love you. Kiss, kiss. And it could, happy have, ending. it could have had the best ending ever, but instead she's forced to go back to the family farm with just a summer of memories and a broken heart. Well, and there's Charlotte being like Miss Bates. And he's mm. like, please tell me you don't hate me. And she says, I could never hate you. You're basically you're doing this to help your family out. How Just how why would I hate you for that? Yeah. And then and then he makes matters worse. She's on her way out of town and mm-hmm. he rides up behind her and says, I don't really love her. I'm just doing this for my family. <laughs> that helps. Thanks, Sydney. But you know exactly what that is. It's setting it up for a season two, but that's a horrible- Is it though? Katie, if there is no season two, I I don't know what I'll do. Okay. Well, here. so here's the, here's the gist on it. it. We watched it on PBS, but the original channel that had it was ITV over in the UK. And then PBS purchases the rights and shows it on ours. So it didn't do well over in England. I don't know what's wrong with them. But they were hoping it would come over to PBS and the American audience would like really love it and that would save it. Well, it wasn't It wasn't horrible, the response to it, but it also wasn't enough for them to just say, yeah, we're going to do a season two. So now it's just been very stressful. And I have a coworker who follows it and she reads all these fan fictions to try to like fill in the time. She's read like over 20 fan fictions of different you know, season two ways of finishing it up. Um, Some of them are even like modern day, those characters in modern day. So 
apparently there was some whispers that Amazon Prime UK might pick it up, but... I don't care who picks it up. I just need someone to not let that be the last thing I see. I said I would pick it up, but it would all be like a flip paper with stick people. (laughs) You know, it would be like a cartoon with stick people. I'm not. Mine would be butterflies and trees. Butterflies in the sky. I could fly twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. Reading Rainbow. <laughs> I'm going to glance back over at the outline now. Anyway, no. Um, oh, I could make it like a Funko Pop dolls. I could draw Funko Pop dolls and all the characters could look like that. Let's let the movie making <laughs> sit with the movie makers. Here's some tidbits about the series. Did you know that Sydney and Eliza? So the the people we don't want to get married that are engaged, they're married in real life. I did know that. Oh, I thought you didn't, and I was really excited to tell you that. I feel like we knew I knew that. Well, I wanted you to fake it while we're on the podcast. I will not react. <laughs> um, by the way, I love Esther and Lord Babington together. I do, too. I know, honestly, when he takes her for the carriage ride on the beach, that's adorable. That's that's a sweet love story. She's so messed up, but it's not her fault. Well, and he goes, he goes to her when she's crying and he's just like, I'm just here. I'm not here for anything more than just to be here and be a friend Mm -hmm. to you and to be here and help you. So we're kind of going off on tangents, but this is just another side little love story separate from the main event that is Charlotte and Sydney. But there's lots of little storylines and character development that's just really sweet and this is one of them yes and the her half brother and that other girl are weird okay um lady susan different time katie it was a different time (laughs) not that different that they need to be doing that anyway um lady susan who is in the ballroom and meets with charlotte and charlotte kind of says well i kind of like sydney but i don't know if you like blah 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 anyway Her real name is Sophie Winkleman, and she's married to the son of Queen Elizabeth's first cousin, which makes her a lady in real life. She's a lady. That sound means it's time for What Would Jane Do? Oh, I hope we get a Sanditon. Wouldn't that be perfect? It would be. Should I flip till I find a Sanditon? Life is imperfect. Life is perfectly imperfect. I make no apologies for my heroine's vanity. If there are young ladies in the world at her time of life, more dull of fancy and more careless of pleasing, I know them not. Sanditon, 1817. Instead of a mic drop, that's a quill drop. There you go. (laughs) Feathers hitting the table. (laughs) That was very good. So I want to read this thoughts on the ending. I have my thoughts on the ending and they are not good. <laughs> I think this is from one of the producers. Oh, this is their thought. During a February 2020 interview with New York Magazine, um, Sanditon producer Belinda Campbell acknowledged that she and the other creators of the miniseries knew that many viewers would be disappointed with the ending. You think? Rather than the kind of happy ending that was typical for Jane Austen's novels, they wrote an ending that was a much closer reflection of real life during Austen's time. Instead of Sidney and Charlotte being able to marry for love, Sidney is obliged to marry a rich heiress he does not love to settle his family's debts. Campbell explained that had they expected to have a second season of the show in which they planned to contrive a way for Charlotte and Sydney to end up together after all. However, the original UK production studio, ITV, has announced that their rating numbers were not high enough for them to produce a second season. The I stands for idiots. I get their point that that that's honestly probably how life would have ended up. And it was probably very realistic. That is not why... We have romanticized Jane Austen's novels. We want them to end up together. 
Right. And I'm sorry, but when you sign on for a Jane Austen work, you follow the Jane Austen law. (laughs) (laughs) And that is her characters will have happy endings. Yes. Agreed. Because precisely for the reason that there aren't, there are a lot of not happy endings in real life. We want to live vicariously through her characters. I mean, if, if anything, I just wanted some sort of ending for Charlotte. Like it, it ends, it ends in such limbo of her not really having, yeah, bye bye, not seeing what her future will be. She's just going back to where it started. I don't like that full circle. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I totally get you. I think we're good on Sanditon stuff, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, I have a little eight question Jane Austen quiz if you'd like to do it real quick. Oh no, I'm nervous. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Are you ready, Miss Sarah? As ready as I'll ever be. Would you like me to do this all in a British accent? Not too shabby. (laughs) It's a Cockney accent. (laughs) Yes, please. I love. Um, Question one. Which county in England was Austin born in? And I'll give you more. Sure. Is it a Shire? I'm I'll sure to Shire. I'll give you <laughs> Hertfordshire. It's not the Hobbit. Uh, I'll give you choices: Somerset, Hampshire, Essex, or Kent. Ooh, I in my gut it's Hampshire or Kent. I'm going to go with Jane Austen of Hampshire. That's right. Austen was born in Steventon, England, which is part of Hampshire County. Question two, which of Jane Austen's siblings helped publish two of her novels posthumously? Her brother. I don't know his name, though. Here are the names. (laughs) Henry, Charles, Cassandra, or James? Oh, I'm going to go with James. Or Henry. Yes, maybe I'll go more towards Henry. That's correct. After his sister's death, Henry Austen helped ensure the publication of two Austen novels, Northanger Abbey and Persuasion. Oh, I should have known Henry. That's the brother that's portrayed in Becoming Jane. Yes, and he's there when they're singing the little with the opera singer. Oh, how silly of me. Oh, how silly. Silly girl. Question three. Austin dedicated Emma to which royal family member? Prince Edward, Princess Charlotte, the Prince Regent, or Queen Caroline? Oh, I haven't the four years. <laughs> um, okay, so if it's Emma, I'm gonna I'm going to say Princess Charlotte. Rats. Don't worry. I got it wrong too when I did the quiz, so it's okay. Um, It's the Prince Regent. Although in one letter, Austin described not liking the Prince Regent, later King George IV, she still dedicated one of her novels to him after he requested her to do so. (laughs) I don't know. This talk just makes me want to sing, Oh, I'm Henry VIII, I am Henry VIII, I am, I am. Wait, wait. It's not Henry, though. It's King George. Queen Caroline. <laughs> ba, ba, ba. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Question four. Which novel famously opens with the line... I'm not even going to have to finish it. It is a truth universally acknowledged... Pride and Prejudice. Would you like me to finish it? Yes. That a single man in possession mm-hmm. of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Pride and Prejudice. 
Question five. What is the given title for Austen's final and unfinished novel? Sanditon. Question six. Fact or fiction? Jane Austen agreed to marry someone but broke this agreement a day later. Yes. True. Who was it to? Tom Lefroy. Mr. Thomas Lefroy. That is correct. Question seven. Well, two more. Question seven. Which of Austen's novels inspired the popular 1995 movie Clueless? I would guess Sense and Sensibility. Would you like me to give you the options? Uh, might be Emma. Clueless? Hmm. Sense and Sensibility. Would you like me to give you the options? Well, clearly I'm wrong, so go <laughs> ahead with the options. Northanger Abbey, Emma, Mansfield Park, or Persuasion? Sense and Sensibility <laughs> is not one of them. <laughs> Doesn't seem like a very sensible question. Uh, let's see. Um, it's not Mansfield Park. Persuasion? Well, it's not Northanger Abbey. Oh, what's the last one left? What did you say? I don't what remember. What movie did we just review today? Emma. Yes, it's Emma. it's Emma. I've never really watched Clueless all the way through, so. So you're clueless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clueless to clueless. Okay, finally, question number eight. Fact or fiction? Austin wrote under the pen name, quote unquote, a lady. No, I don't think that's, I think that's fiction. It's true. It's true? Only Austin's immediate family knew she was the author, 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 of her, <laughs> shush, shush, of her first published novel, Sense and Sensibility, which on the title page says it was written by a lady. Oh, I don't know if I, I guess I like that, a lady. I don't know, bothers me. <laughs> what if, bothered. What if someone's going down the street and they go, I, you read that book by that lady. <laughs> oh, dear, Katie. <laughs> well, what's, what's the author's name? I don't know, some lady. <laughs> hey, you sound like the chimney sweep from Mary Poppins. That's what I'm trying. Is that what you're going for? Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim chimney. All right. All right. All right. That concludes our Jane Austen episode. Our final. What would Jane do? <clears throat> flip, 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 and this is from Sanditon. Sanditon. Every neighborhood should have a great lady. Hey, and the last question was a lady. That was wonderful. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah, for joining me today. Katie, my sister, it was a joy. And I, I really thank you for the opportunity to come talk with you a little, little chat about Jane Austen. A little chit and chat. Uh, just a little chat, is all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And thank you, everyone, for listening to Muggle with a Mic. And tune in next week when, or two weeks from now when we'll be talking about something. I don't know yet, but it'll be something. Good night. <laughs> the ribbons. The ribbons. The ribbons. The ribbons. Though I may wish it unsaid the next moment. And do not speak it. If you wish to speak to me as a friend, or to ask my opinion as a friend, I will hear whatever you like. As a friend, Emma, that I fear is a word. Tell me, Emma, have I no chance of ever succeeding? My dearest Emma, the dearest you will always be, my dearest, most beloved Emma, tell me at once. I cannot make speeches. If I 
If I, if I loved you less, then I might be able to talk about it more. But you, 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 you know what I am. I have, I have lectured you and I have, I have blamed you. And you have borne it as no other woman in England could have borne it. God knows I have been a very indifferent lover, but you understand me. You, you understand my feelings. Will you marry me? <laughs>